as the children's story kind of demonstrated, um, Ascension is not a big Christian holiday. It's not something we usually mark on our calendars. Uh, it's a minor, it's a minor holiday in the year, if, if it's celebrated at all. When I started in uh, ministry, I used to have Ascension services on the actual Ascension Day, which is, as Tim said, 40 days after, after the resurrection. So it would have been this past Thursday. I used to have a service, a night service on that, that Thursday. Man, we packed the church. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, counting Susan and me, we had about six people. So, uh, as most ministers who continue to celebrate the Ascension did, I moved it to Ascension Sunday, and um, you get a bigger crowd on Sunday than you do on Thursday. So we're celebrating the Ascension on Ascension Sunday. Um, forty days, forty days. You know, you, you you come across forty a lot in the Bible. Forty days of the flood. Forty days in the wilderness. Um, 40 is a, is a significant number. 40 days for, for Jesus with the disciples, 40 days was a term that rabbis used to say that the student has been with me 40 days, meaning that I've covered everything I can, the student knows all I can teach, and the student is ready to, um, to repeat what I've learned and to put into practice what, I, what I've taught them. So when, Jesus, when it says the disciples were with Jesus 40 days, it's saying he had, he had finished his mentoring. They were ready. They were ready to, uh, to teach what he, they had been taught by Jesus. 40 days is, uh, I, I did learn this week that the, um, that the Mennonite church in Highland County celebrates Ascension Day, that all the businesses are closed clothed and the, uh, the uh, Mennonites are encouraged to enjoy the day, visit friends, and have picnics. So other than uh, the Mennonites and the disciples, does the ascension have anything to do with us? Does it have any pertinence for us? I, I um, had an appointment with my doctor this week and we were reviewing my, my prescriptions and I said, well, why am I taking this pill and why am I taking that pill? And the doctor said, well, this, this yellow pill is for this uh, malady and this pink pill is for that. And I said, yeah, I know what it's for, but I want to know why am I taking it? What pertinence does it have for me? And that's, that's the issue, I think, for the ascension. We can explain that after 40 days they had been taught all they knew and they Jesus went up, but what does that have to do with us? One writer has said that the ascension can be summed up in this phrase. God is everywhere. God is liberated for humanity, and humanity is liberated for God. The ascension means God is everywhere. God is liberated for humanity, and humanity is liberated for God. First part, God is liberated for humanity. Human beings have a tendency to put God in a box where we say God is here, but not there. God is in the temple, 
but nowhere else. God is in King Avenue Church, but nowhere else. God is in the United Methodist denomination, but nowhere else. God is in the United States, but nowhere else. And you can see that this can lead to a form of arrogance. It can form, lead to a form of thinking that God is on my side, uh, where I can manipulate God to do what I want, that I'm special, and you are not. Um, this can also lead to the thinking of God is here but not there, to a kind of dualism where some things are, are sacred and other things are profane. Some things are clean and other things are dirty. It can lead to a division of body and spirit. You know, God is in the church, but not in sex. You know, we, we do this to the world where we put God somewhere and not in others. Now, the ascension just blows all of that out of the water because it says God cannot be located in time and space. God has moved out and beyond those categories. So as Ephesians says, God is all in all. God is everywhere. God encompasses all. We have a picture of the ascension up there in the corner. And it's interesting that as Geist ascends, he has this posture. It's like he's encompassing everything. One writer has said that to believe in the ascension, to say, I believe in the ascension, is to believe in a mystical dimension to life. It's to see the world differently. It's to believe that every moment it's charged with God because God is everywhere. It's to believe that wherever we are, God is there, and where, whenever we are, God is there, that all moments and all spaces are sacred. We can't say that this is sacred and this isn't. And it does away with this dualism. It says that Christ is present in the cosmos, but Christ is also present in suffering. Christ is present in glory, but Christ is also present in the daily crucifixions that each of us endure. That Christ might be present in the maternity ward where new life happens, but Christ is also present in the cancer ward. That Christ might be present in the golf course, but also in the nursing home. As the psalmist says in 139, where can I go from your presence, O God? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I go to the depths of hell, you're there. If I go to the darkness, you're there. If I go to the light, you're there. You're everywhere. All of creation, including our lives and our events, 
are charged by God. God is out of the box. God is everywhere. That's got to make a difference in how we see our life and how we see what happens to us. We are not alone, and we don't go anywhere alone, for God is there. Kazantzakis wrote a book called Saviors of God. Before I read it, I thought it was about heroes of the faith, people who, um, like St. Francis or Mother Teresa, you know, the saints who fed the hungry and clothed the naked, who in the name of God saved people. What the book is really about, it's people who save God, people who take God out of the box and take God everywhere. They save God. And Jesus, in ascension, is taking God out of the box and saying, I want you to save God. I want you to take God everywhere to the nursing home and to the hospital and to the golf course and to the church everywhere foreign countries so that's the first part God is liberated for humanity God is let out of the box the second part is humanity is liberated for God Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. He commissions them to do something. He gives them responsibility. It's a task. It's basically, I see the ascension as, grow up. I'm giving you responsibility. You're no longer an infant. You're no longer an adolescent. I have expectations for you. I've trained you for 40 days here. I've taught you for 40 days. Grow up. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Let God out of the box. Let people out of the boxes. It's like being given the keys to the car. You're grown up now. You have responsibility. Exercise it. My dad died when I was 31. Now, I was married, I had, we had one child, I had insurance policies and car, and, but I don't really feel that I grew up until dad departed. And I realized I had the responsibility now. You know, I, I had to do my own taxes, I had to figure things out on my own. I had the responsibility. I grew up. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses and I will give you power. He gives us the responsibility, but by giving us the power, he also gives us the authority. I imagine many of us have been frustrated when we deal with an institution, and the church is great at this, where people are given the responsibility but not the authority. You're given the responsibility of caring for the building, but you don't have any authority to make any decisions. I mean, how often are we frustrated by contacting an institution, say, you know, 
the chair of parking. And you contact that person because they have the responsibility and they say, oh, I can't make a decision. I'll have to get back to you. Well, authority and responsibility have to align for things to be effective. And Jesus is trying to align authority and power here. When I was ordained, the bishop laid his hands on my head and he said, take thou authority. I was given responsibilities in the church and then he said, take authority. I think the church, the denomination, is in a debate now. How we exercise that authority, how we exercise that power. Christ has given us power, the church has given us power, and is the power given us to box people in, to control them and manipulate them? Or is the power given us to let people out of the boxes, to free them? As I wrestle with same-gender marriages, I think, is the authority given to box people in and say, you can't marry the person you love? Or is the authority given us to let them out of that box and say, yes, you can marry the person you love? I made my choice that the authority has given us to let people out, not to box them in. We are to be the witnesses and given the power to let people out. Who? Well, Jesus says, you're my witnesses to all the world. So it's to all people that we let out of the boxes. We can't say God is here but not there because God is everywhere. God is in Syria. God is in the United States. God is in Russia. God is in Iran. God is in Israel. God is in the alley off of Miller-Kelton. And God is in Powell. God is everywhere and all are kin. And that's part of the importance of this quilt, that it's all people that contribute to it. And all contributes part of their story. And all are necessary for the quilt to be whole. Without a piece of fabric, the quilt is missing something. And Jesus says, it's all people. And the quilt represents all people. Then Jesus says, be my witnesses by preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins. Well, repentance is seeing the world in a different way, seeing another path, seeing a better way, seeing a more life-giving way. And forgiveness is giving people a new start. And that's what the disciples are doing. Both of those let people out of boxes. Read this from Orson Welles this week. A happy ending depends, of course, on where we stop the story. I love that. A happy ending depends, of course, on where we stop the story. Where do we stop the story? Do we stop it at our anger or do we stop it at forgiveness? That depends on whether we want to have a happy ending or not, doesn't it? Susan and I get into an argument. We stomp off. 
That's where the story stops. Or does the story stop when she forgives me? You know? A happy ending depends on where we stop the story. That's kind of a key to life. And Jesus says, you're my witnesses. You stop the story after forgiveness, not before. When Jesus ascends, he blesses the disciples. And he has blessed them. And that's why they're joyful. Because he says, I'm going to be everywhere. Wherever you go, I'm there. You're going to meet me. Wherever and whenever you are, I'm going to be there. And you're growing up. Most people are joyful when they get the keys to the car. And you're going to keep the story going and give repentance and new starts to people, including yourself. Now, next year, Ascension Day is on May 10th. Write that down. It's May 10th. And I want you to go to your boss, like a good Mennonite would, and say to your boss on May 9th, tomorrow is a big holiday in my church. It is a significant day that I want to celebrate. So I'm asking that I get tomorrow off because it's Ascension Day and celebrate it. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>